Hello? Hey, Katiekins. It's Rosalie. Want to have a slumber party? The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> We just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. He's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. You're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy? There's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah! Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. No! She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails... I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. of the hills have eyes and last house on the left a new masterpiece in fantasy terror nightmare on elm street hello slumberkins i'm rosalie kicks and i'm katie mcbrown and we are best friends forever each episode we roll out our sleeping bags pick out a flick featuring one of our favorite heartthrobs and we gab about it We hope you brought your snacks, and if this is your first time at the slumber party, I'll tell you how the show works. Katie and I visit an imaginary video store, we select a movie that features the heartthrob of the month, and then we roll out our sleeping bag and chat about the flick to determine whether the movie is worthy enough to be placed on our coveted slumber party watch shelf. Slumberkins, in case you missed our last party... Katie Kins and I have decided it is officially spooky season. Ooh, scary. Which means we have officially kicked off hunky horror celebration. Yes, and we have so many sexy slashers in store for you, Slumberkins, which will all be revealed in due time. We may even revisit some previous heartthrobs. Well, before we get to our movie and featured horror hunk, I thought it would be fun to take a trip down spooky memory lane. Katie, what was your favorite or best Halloween costume of all time? Okay, so as a kid, I was into like mishmashing things. Like I could never really make up my mind. I feel like it was like fifth grade. I was still in elementary school, but I was a vampire French maid. And then another time I was a zombie cheerleader and I really was into doing like the gory makeup and all that kind of stuff along with like a cute outfit. I definitely have a picture somewhere of me as the vampire French maid, which I'll have to unearth for the slumberkins. But I do remember loving wearing the fangs and having like blood on my face. What was your your favorite costume? Before I reveal that, I just need to know like how extensive was the makeup? Were you doing full face makeup? No, I definitely just had, I think I made myself really pale. So I got like really light 
foundation. And then I just had drippy blood coming down the corners of my face. Oh, wow. I mean, I didn't do extensive makeup. I tried to like make myself look like my skin was peeling, but it just didn't really work out that well. I wasn't that creative. Our mom wouldn't really let us use that kind of stuff like fake blood and Mm. whatnot. So I never got to play with it, but I'm very intrigued. It is fun. The blood, like the fake drippy blood. And they've made so many strides since the early 90s that I'm sure the makeup is so much better for your skin now. Yeah, because some of it always looks a bit sketch. Mm. Sometimes it just looks really kind of iffy. Like I'm like, "Mm, do I want to use that? Right. This morning, Billy looked like any other boy, but as the moon rose, he turned into a werewolf. He used new Pa's Halloween makeup kits. His friends did too. Look, Mike's a vampire. Amy's a ghost. Pa's makeup is safer than masks. It never blocks vision and it's hypoallergenic too. So watch your kids turn into the creatures they really are with new Pa's Halloween makeup kits. I'll tell you, Halloween, so when my mom used to get my brother and I costumes, they were serious. She would actually take us to this woman, and I believe her name was Jeanette, and we would get these professionally made costumes. My mom would take us to like a Joanne's Fabric, and we would select or pick outfits out of one of those books and my mom would take us to this lady Jeanette she would measure us the whole nine yards and then we would get these professional costumes and one thing with my mom though is she always liked if my brother and I matched in some way so which was kind of annoying just because (laughs) my brother and I were obviously into different things right It didn't always work out well. I do remember one year we dressed as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which (gasps) I was okay with because we both liked that show quite a lot. Probably my favorite Halloween costume was when I was in second grade. I was obsessed with The Little Mermaid, Mm -hmm. and I was an actual mermaid, and I had like a fin tail. I feel like I need pictures. Yeah, I'll have to see if my mom has any pictures. And I do remember the way that the costume was made because, again, it was professionally made by this lady. It actually was fairly easy to get around in. Oh. You know, like, because the tail was up. Right, like it wasn't like you were standing on the fin. No, no. That's really cool. Yeah, and my brother was a pirate. I remember that. Did he have a peg leg? I don't remember him having a peg leg. I do remember he had a hook. And he <laughs> had awesome. a really cool pirate hat. My brother, when we were little, he was very into hats. Like okay. All sorts of hats. He used to wear this cowboy hat that he never took off. Oh, my gosh. I remember he was very into that. Yeah, and then as I got older, I feel... I always had ideas for costumes, but then they would never come to fruition. Yeah. Or I always used to have these like grandiose plans. And then I would try to like do it myself, get everything. And I was like, F it. This is so, so annoying. I'm going to just find something that's very simple and go with that. 
But yeah, I would have loved to have a professionally made costume. That would have been baller. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, too, that my mom did that. I'll have to ask her about it because we did it for a few years where we went to this lady's house and, you know, she would measure us. And then within a couple of weeks, the costume was ready. So your mom probably, I mean, your mom is crafty. And I feel like she also probably shopped like the Halloween stores and saw these really terrible plasticky costumes. That Because like you remember yeah. what those, co- like the costume shops, like how they always just had kind of generic materials. And I don't know, like nothing was ever, oh, yeah. <laughs> nothing was ever amazing. I know people are all about the spirit, Halloween, and I do like to just browse in there, but I'll tell you, I never buy anything. Except if you find that Michael Myers light. Well, I'll buy that. I'm talking more the costumes. Yeah. Because they're all like those bagged. And what I hate about those bagged costumes, you're so much better off if you have time to try to just go to the thrift store and put Mm -hmm. a costume together because the bags, they'll have like one size fits all. Yeah, it's never flattering in the fit. You'll get something, you'll try it on and be like, yeah, my butt is out or like the sleeve is too long. Like you're just like, nah. Yeah, I don't. I, I've never really bought those bagged costumes. I don't think they're good. My mom probably saw that they were about the same price. And I remember we would get, you know, sometimes a, a couple Halloweens out of certain things. Yeah. The Halloween experts at Magic Manor have everything you'll need this year, including actual character masks from famous motion pictures. And they can show you the proper application of makeup to impress that special someone. Magic Manor's professional hand-painted custom masks start as low as $2.50. This Halloween, remember Magic Manor. Wigs, masks, makeup, costumes, shockingly authentic. Magic Manor, East Wind Mall. Do you have any plans for this year? So I didn't put much thought into it because I didn't, I mean, other than hanging out with you, I didn't think I was doing anything for Halloween because I'm in a boot still. I don't know. Maybe I'll ask, I'll go on Twitter and ask the Slumberkins what they think I should be. Keep in mind my, I have a boot and a scooter, but I also have other accessories like crutches and a walker right now. So get creative Slumberkins and I'll, I'll take it into consideration, but you should tell everyone about your costume. (laughs) Well, I'm still in the works of gathering the supplies for it, but I do have like a whole blueprint drawn up. The past couple years with my Halloween costume, I have been incorporating my pup, Little Foxy. Last year, we were Norman and Norma Bates from Psycho, and it was a lot of fun. And it also opened this whole new world to me of dog wigs. Yes. I actually had this lady on Etsy. She custom made a Norma Bates dog wig. It, it was rather epic. Like, I remember you brought it one time to a hair appointment to show me so I can kind of like smooth it a little bit more, you know, it being in like a little bag for a bit. And it was amazing. Yeah. And the lady had never made one before. She was really great. I just emailed her asking, like, can you do this? And she said, of course. <laughs> Another year... I was the creature from the Black Lagoon, but I was like grandpa creature because I wore a cardigan and had a cane. (laughs) 
And I found these like really crazy, like scuba diving fins, like for your feet, you know, those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were free somewhere. And I was like, oh, these are perfect. So I was grandpa creature. And then I put Foxy in a white onesie. So she was the lady, (laughs) Julie Adams. And that was really fun. But this year, we're going to be Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. And I'm very excited. Epic. I can't wait until it all comes together. I feel like you just have one piece left. Yeah, the wig has arrived for Foxy. So that's exciting. The shirt I'm still on the prowl for because we got one, but it was ill-fitting. It looked, I was very upset because I felt the sizing (laughs) was not accurate. And then poor Foxy felt shamed. She was like, mom, please take me out of this. It was just, it it was bizarre. But that was a a PetSmart shirt. That's what you get for costume shops. Yes. I was kind of surprised though when I was at PetSmart, they've really expanded the Halloween costumes for animals. Oh my God, it's huge. Yeah, outfits for gerbils, snakes, (laughs) hedgehogs. I can't wait to see your costume. If we remember, we really should try to post some pictures on the site. So we'll do that of past Halloween costumes and then present. Okay, so I guess we can move on to the next segment, which is Girl Talk. Talk, talk, talk. Girl Talk, talking back. Girl Talk Dateline, the game about the two things girls like best, talking on the phone and... I'd love to go. Boys! And this is the segment of the show when we talk about the movie featuring our chosen heartthrob. And in honor of spooky season, we are deeming it Hunky Horror Heartthrob or Triple H. Hey, this is the game, Triple H. (laughs) So hunky horror, I just have to say, is great. Some things on Instagram last week, and I clicked on the tag hunky horror just to see like what else was out there. And there was only one other post, and it was very scantily clad Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, and Freddy Krueger images. And I loved it so much that I'm going to have to, I'll post this on Instagram and Twitter because I really want everyone to see it. Because this is also like a market that I think needs to be tapped into. It was wild. Yeah, I could not look away from it. It was <laughs> unlike anything I've ever seen. It was it was really brilliant. Like it was just, wow, whoever thought of this to draw this. And it's like a talent. So yeah, very impressed. Detailed. Very, very detailed. We'll, we'll share that. Definitely. For our second installment of Hunky Horror, we are going to be chatting about the 1984 Wes Craven flick, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and celebrating horror hunk John Saxon. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. And remember Slumberkins. For the film to end up on the Slumber Party watch shelf, it needs to earn at least five gold stars. As we are chatting, if you hear a twinkle sound, that signifies that it earned a star. And Katie Kins, will you share the criteria for earning a star along with the fantastic additions in honor of spooky season? I would love to. All right. So a movie can earn a star if it features such things as a mall, bonus babe alert, radical fashions, bodacious soundtrack, a bad boy, nudies, a rebel girl, 
Pizza Delivery, First Kiss, Wild Hair, Crazy Cuisines, and Dream Digs. And for the spooky occasion, the categories are Dream Boat. Um, and this really only pertains to Freddy when he does something wacky. We'll get into that later. Sexy Slasher, Wacky Weaponry, Foodie Fatality, Gratuitous Gore, and Killer Knockout, meaning babes that get slayed. And we have a new addition from Slumberkin Benjamin, and that is Murderous Music. So we're always adding to the list. So if you have anything that you would like to add, send us a note on Twitter at DearBFFPod. We'll take it into consideration. Benjamin slid his way in. You guys can too. Yeah, I actually really like murderous music. Yes. We were talking about how we needed one because not all horror movies have like soundtracks. They have more instrumental spookiness. Yeah, I kind of miss that horror movies, especially in the 80s, a lot of them would have theme songs. Mm -hmm. And I miss that. And I know... For example, when Ashley Jane was working on Pizza Man, that was the whole point of like the end credit song. She Mm -hmm. texted me and was like, remember how like there would be a really cool song and then as you're leaving the theater, you know, you'd kind of like bop out. Yeah. Like you were like all adrenaline because you had just watched like something super scary or something that made you jump. And then you were like leaving there like, oh my God, this song. You're just walking, walking on, walking on out of there. Yeah. There is a lot of fun music in old horror, especially. But Katie, what did you think of the Nightmare on Elm Street box? I hadn't seen the actual cover in years. And I will say I immediately flipped to the back. I don't know why. Like I was like, I saw the front and I flipped (laughs) it over and there was just somebody on fire. And of course, you all know that I love fire by now. I was just, oh, my God, this is a pure delight. And the image, but then so then I went back to the front and it's just insane. It's uh, the main character with the razor fingers, kind of like almost like it looks sort of like a cartoon. This was definitely coming home from the rental store with me. I was intrigued from the get go. I love that you love fire because you would have fit right in with my family. I come from a long line of pyromaniacs and they were constantly throughout my childhood, setting things ablaze. Uh, And I'm not joking. My grandmother loved to light fires. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. Your grandmother, I imagined her just having like a pile in the back of her yard. And that's just like how she disposed of things. An old rocking chair that didn't work anymore in the fire. She threw the love seat chair. (gasps) Like she set a love seat chair on fire. Yeah. It was probably like her way of some kind of therapeutic type method. Yeah. People go to like kickboxing and like, you know, to like get some stress out. And like your grandma was just like, let's light a fire. I got to get I got to de-stress. Yeah. There were a couple times, though, where she would light a fire and it would go down and she, you know, think oh it's fine I can leave now Mm. and a couple times it it got stronger oh my gosh and the firemen had to come up and put it out she got in trouble a couple times you know that's a big deal that is a big deal they'd have to bring the truck oh my god that's crazy 
I definitely was like obsessed with lighting small things on fire as a yes. kid. Like I would always at checkout lines, there was always like a book of matches. Like I would always pocket those like because they're free. So I'd always just like grab them. Yeah. And then sometimes we just light the whole matchbook up. Loved it. For those that have not seen the box, I think Katie did a good job of describing it. I agree. It's kind of cartoony on the front. And then you have this person just set ablaze on the back and then the back of the box summary is nancy is having nightmares something in her haunted sleep wants to kill her something unstoppable but she has more to fear much much more her high school friends she discovers are having the same fiendish dream and they are being butchered systematically slaughtered in their sleep by the predatory monster of their shared nightmare when baffled investigating police ignore her chilling explanation, Nancy prepares to traverse into the hellish realm of nightmares to wage her own extraordinary battle with the ghastly killer. There she confronts the dark, decade-old secret of the very real Nightmare on Elm Street. Writer-director Wes Craven has composed an innovative horror fantasy that will expose your deepest primal fear, but you can tell yourself it's only a dream, can't you? I feel like the whole back-of-the-box um, synopsis is amazing, just because it really kind of tells you where this is going and like kind of a little overview obviously but I also feel like it's intriguing I'm like okay like you have to get into somebody's nightmare and like there's people dying apparently I was I was ready we both had seen this prior to this episode before like we both had watched it but it had been a while for you yeah like I'm not entirely sure when I first saw the movie but I was I was young. I watched horror movies pretty early. And I do remember kind of being scared to fall asleep after watching this just because of what happens. Do you remember when you watched it? So I don't remember the the first time I ever watched it. I watched it last year because I had mentioned, I think on the previous episode during the pandemic, I watched a ton of horror stuff that I had missed out on or hadn't seen for a bit in our pal Nick from Movie John. He was watching stuff with us too, like virtually. So it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But I'll say I don't remember the first time I ever watched Nightmare on Elm Street because as a child, I was terrified of Freddy. Freddy was, I mean, out of the slashers, I feel like he was pretty gory to look at. So he was definitely scarier. Yeah, it wasn't just that. Like if I ever saw... Because you know how they would play horror films on TV. There would be Mm -hmm. marathons and stuff. If I saw him, I would just turn the channel. And I I just found his voice to be haunting. I didn't like the finger knives. I also just the idea of the fact that he could come in your dreams. I didn't like that at all. But it's funny now that I'm older and have watched the film, I... I feel like I must have exaggerated like how often I would see him on TV because I learned, well, the first movie's only like 91 minutes and he's only in it for seven minutes. That's crazy. Yeah, he's not even really in it. I guess maybe just the anticipation that he's going to show up for a lot of it and like his voice and his laugh. I feel like he was definitely one of the scarier of the slasher dudes, but 
the least likely to ever happen. I feel like I definitely watched these movies, gave myself nightmares, but not in the way of like, oh yeah, this could, like, you know, somebody could get me in my sleep dream kind of thing. Yeah, I, well, so last year I watched all the Freddies and I quickly realized they're so, they're very hokey. They're a lot of fun. And Freddie is quite the character, or as you say. A dreamboat. So you have to explain this more, how this term came up. Okay, well, it's kind of a stretch, honestly, because we're talking about heartthrobs and, you know, some, when people have crushes on guys, sometimes they call them a dreamboat. Well, maybe not currently, because I don't think the kids these days are using that term. Well... I was going to say, the last time I heard someone described as a dreamboat was Marty McFly. And his mom, Lorraine, was like, oh, he's a dreamboat. <laughs> like I said, it's a stretch. But nice. Freddie obviously only comes to you in your dreams. And people swoon over a dreamboat. So for Honky Horror, I just decided that Freddie is a dreamboat. Reputation notwithstanding. Because... As we'll find out, he's not a good person. And this is only Freddy can earn this star specifically made for him. Yeah. You said you wanted to revisit some of the Freddies because I really like in New Nightmare, which I think is the fifth one. And if it's not, I'm sure Mr. Clink will correct me when he listens. You'll get a text like immediately. Yeah. In that one, because you get to see Robert Englund. Yes. Robert Anglin, and he's so sweet. Yeah, and he's so normal. Like, <laughs> just great. And I was thinking how when we go to a con again, I mm-hmm. really want to get a picture with him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Could you imagine how much his, his picture prices are, though? Well, I think it would depend whether he's dressed up or not. Cur- yeah. Which I wouldn't care if he was dressed up. I actually don't think I would like it. Rather him just be in plain clothes. Yes. Like himself let let's get to the story because there is a lot to unpack here so it starts off a tale as old as time it starts with a boner (laughs) so i wrote this down when we were watching it because right away you were like oh it's starting with the boner again (laughs) and i mean i'll kind of agree with you like it basically does start that way it you know but it's set in 81 the flick doesn't really waste any time getting down to business. We meet Tina Gray, who's played by Amanda Wiss Weiss. I like when you, you second guess yourself now. Well, because uh, this is becoming a thing now. After the recording, either Brian will send me a text <laughs> or Ben and say and like mock how I said something. It's not a mock. It's more just your uniqueness is endearing. And it, it sends people into giggle fits. And you know what? You're entertaining. So, Wiss-Weiss. Wiss-Weiss. <laughs> she's woken up from a terrifying nightmare in which she's being chased by a disfigured man wearing a glove with knife fingers. And when she wakes up, there are slashes in her nighty, which I must add, that nighty looks extremely itchy. Incredibly itchy. Like, there is definitely lace around the collar area and it just kind of made me cold because it was see-through I hated wearing nightgowns as a kid right now in my old age I want soft fabrics or nothing yeah 
actually the grandmother that liked fire she used to buy me nightgowns you know at christmas time mm -hmm. or whatever and they were always frilly and lacy <laughs> and horrible patterns yeah and i hated them because she always bought my brother and i like some kind of fancy pajamas for christmas and then my mom would make us put them on why would you make a lace collar i don't know that just seems so neurotic. <laughs> if your skin is sensitive to anything, like your collar and neck were just always like broken out like in high redness. So, That's just what I picture. Those 90s were very popular in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Very popular. Yeah. I too, I like soft fabric on my flesh. I don't like itchy Itch. stuff. So yeah, the next day Tina goes to school. We learn that Tina's boyfriend has an, well, he references that he has a boner. I, I don't even know why. Like, Because he, he was gross. <laughs> yeah, he was disgusting. I didn't like him. No. And then her best friend, Nancy, who's played by Heather Langenkamp, and I'm not saying that again. That sounds good. Good. Is also having nightmares. And after school, the friends end up having a sleepover at Tina's house while her mother's out of town. Which, Katie, I cannot believe we have not added this yet, but I think we need a star for slumber party. Oh my gosh, you are so right. What are we even doing here if we don't have a star for slumber party? Because this know. is all about slumbering. Also, in that scene, like her boyfriend or ex literally came out of nowhere like it was the three of them walking and then i'm like did he fall out of the tree but yeah, yeah slumber party slumber party definitely needs a star yeah i and i feel when a slumber party shows up in a film we should have like a little scream fest or something i might <laughs> ask ashley to make some kind of special jingle for it like a peewee's playhouse like when the word of the day is said I used to love that. <laughs> and they would all go, ah! <laughs> Let's get back to the sleepover. We went off topic. Yeah. Things don't go well for Tina at the sleepover. Well, this scene was wild. Because she and her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend, whatever he was, were all of a sudden like in a deep slumber. And then all of a sudden her body was up on the ceiling, down on the bed, like all around. And then boom blood city like there is so much blood and i will just say now that this gets a star for a gratuitous gore because there was buckets buckets of blood yeah it's death as well i mean it kind of also has like some exorcist things going on because there's like mm. you said she's like crawling on the wall yeah the ceiling. it's weird I was reading they apparently went through over 500 gallons of fake blood. I could imagine was... that, though. That was because there was a lot of blood in this scene and then obviously later on. Yeah. Yeah. They went through a lot of fake blood. But we do need to discuss Freddie's octopus arms in her nightmare scene. Do you remember when you said I had octopus arms? I actually don't remember why i said you had octopus arms <laughs> can you refresh my memory yes so i was a, i don't know why i was attempting to buy a blazer for blazing like for I lighting wanted, for lighting fires probably like it was going to be a special blazer that i wore when making barrel fires 
<laughs> but I was unable to find a blazer that like would fit my arm. Like every time I tried one on, it was like short. Oh, they would almost be like three quarter length sleeves on you instead of like going all the way down your wrist. Yeah. And then I you do remember just, now. Yeah. And you were like, you have octopus arms. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm not wrong. No, but they, my arms were basically like Freddie's though. Like his were so long. I loved his long arms. I laughed and laughed like when they came out because I totally forgot about it. And then he also like started to run at her and that run also really made me laugh. Yeah, he did like have a little jaunt where he was skipping towards her. It was weird. I loved it. Now it's time for a kicks fact. But on this episode, I'm deeming them Freddy facts because, and I, this is another thing. I need to get Ashley to make a jingle for these facts. Yeah, she'll think of some. I would, even if it was just like a little song, like kicks fact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's got to. She'll, she'll, she'll come out with something amazing. Yeah. Apparently the effect though, to make his arms long was achieved by having production assistants with fishing poles on the side, so each side of Robert England. And they were operating a set of puppet arms that were attached to him. And yeah, I mean, it looks completely insane and I love it. I mean, that fact's awesome. But like, imagine your claim to fame being like you operated Freddie's long arms. Like you were one of the fishing pole production assistants i kind of wish i held that title and they could brag about that yeah it would be amazing look up on imdb and then see arm wrangler <laughs> arm wrangler extraordinaire i do want to talk about as well freddie is very like goopy in this movie there's at one point it might have been in Tina's dream like we see like inside of him is like green slime and like worms yeah I don't remember him being so oozy like I remember being petrified of his look but I like the green slime and like the worms coming out I was I was like oh my gosh that's what he looks like inside yeah I didn't remember that at all it is pretty cool because, again, this is all, like, makeup and physical effects. Like, they're not using computer-generated stuff, which is, it's really neat, I mm -hmm. think. I agree. After Tina's death, everyone thinks that her sleaze of a boyfriend is responsible for it, and Nancy's father, who's today's heartthrob and total babe, John Saxon, happens to be a lieutenant on the police force and he's trying to track down the sleaze boyfriend which now is a good time to discuss nancy and her family yeah so the family dynamic was a little strange i believe they were a divorced couple but i don't recall the details and maybe nancy's mom did say something about it like when she was hitting that frosty bottle of vodka I wasn't sure like what their situation was. And daddy Nance was a busy lieutenant. Like he was never around unless there was bloodshed. And then he would like pop up. And he also had like kind of seemed very cold to the mother. But it was, yeah, strange dynamic. Yeah, the mother seemed to have a lot of issues. She was like drinking in the morning. Yeah, she had like a morning um, cocktail. Mm-hmm. 
I think we should also share with the Slumberkins because I feel we're going to get a lot of questions as to why we selected John Saxon. And I do want to point out we were going to go with Nancy as the heartthrob, but the thing is we both really love the character of Nancy. Like we think she's badass, but her clothes, khaki pants with pleats and sweater vests, and then her shill screams were no. And I really wish we would have counted how many sweater vests there were because honestly, I think there was like a baker's dozen of them. (laughs) I'm going to just say this. I hate khaki pants so much. They are just always a no. Yeah, I think it was about maybe six minutes into the movie. I was definitely over Nancy. You were over Nancy. And although she is a kick-ass, she cannot dress for shit. Those pleated pants, the way they like fit her body, did nothing for her. And she looked old. Like not, I mean, obviously down the line in the movie, we get to the part where she starts to look old. But like she didn't dress like she was in high school. And we should have definitely counted the sweater vests. Yeah. And just for, I wanted to tell you about an experience I had with khaki pants. Okay. When I moved to California, as you know, I had gotten a job at a video store. Well, initially I got a job at Blockbuster. And at Blockbuster, you would have to wear khaki pants. You had to buy them yourself. Well, I worked at Blockbuster for like two shifts and I left the tags on the pants because I was like, oh, maybe I'll get a job at Hollywood Video. And then I ended up getting a job at Hollywood Video and I was like, peace out, Blockbuster. And I took the pants back. The pay was the exact same, but I quit because I didn't have to wear khaki pants. Probably smart for your mental health. Yeah, because at Hollywood Video, I could wear black pants. I didn't know that Blockbuster was just a khaki family. Yeah, it's, well, that store in general, people seem to have, I would say, forgotten memories of it. Yeah. They're not remembering the days of, because they used to, at Blockbuster, censor a lot of films. A lot of people, you know, they remember it fondly, but it wasn't Mm. a very good company. Where I rented my, so growing up, we, like, the, closest video store to us was a place just called the movie gallery yeah so i do wish we counted those vests because there was a lot and she was also just very much a teen very whiny and there was a line she said that really annoyed both of us she said (laughs) oh god i look 20 years old That was, like, really upsetting because I feel like could she have been 20 years old in real life and she was just playing a teenager because she didn't look youthful. She didn't look 16 or 17 to me. And she was just, like, always, like, screaming and, like, she was just shrill. She just couldn't be the heartthrob. There is no way. So we had to – we had to – we had to bring in another guy. Yeah. So we picked John Saxon, but I know it's going to draw a lot of questions, but he's a babe. (laughs) He's a good-looking dude. I mean, yes, he's a cop, so that's kind of gross. And there's this whole part where he tricks Nancy and basically has her assist him with getting Tina's boyfriend, Rod, arrested. Well, I wasn't into any of the cops in this movie because they were all really idiotic and kind of assholes, like dismissive. But then they followed Nancy to school. 
and basically used her as bait. And it was kind of shitty. Do your own job, cops. They were lazy. Lazy. So Nancy, after Rod gets caught, she goes to school and ends up falling asleep and has an extremely creepy dream in which she sees Tina, but Tina's in a body bag and she ends up following Tina and ends up seeing Freddy in the basement only to awake herself by burning her arm on a pipe. And this is where we kind of, again, see where these dreams are coming out into the reality. And I think at this point is when she finally is starting to put it together that they're being hunted while they sleep. Let's just um, go back to like how, I mean, obviously she was very tired. She was having like barely any sleep. But imagine falling asleep in school and having that terrifying dream where you like wake up screaming and like, like flailing around. Like I think all I was ever concerned about was that I wasn't drooling like all over my desk. Yeah. I I was trying to remember, I think I may have only fell asleep in class like once or twice. But Yeah, I didn't I didn't fall asleep that many times, but like if I were, like I would have been so embarrassed that I had a nightmare and I woke up in that way. Yeah, I think well, and it definitely would have been something that people would have never forgot. Right. Never. You would have been known as the girl that had a freak out in class. Yeah. Nancy ends up having another run-in with Freddie kind of shortly thereafter because, of course, after the screaming fit, she ends up getting sent home from school. And then she falls asleep in the bathtub. What, Mother? Don't fall asleep in there. You could drown, you know. Oh, for Pete's sakes. What happens all the time. I've heated up some warm milk for you, honey. Warm milk? Which, this is another moment in the movie that really freaks me out because Freddy is so creepy. Yeah, and perverted because he came to her when she was nude. Like, you're the most vulnerable when you're, like, wet and naked, I feel, because there's just so many things that could go wrong. This is the part where, thank God, Mama Nance was nearby. Yeah, I think that's a good point you bring up about, especially when you're in the bathroom, and you're in the tub because mm-hmm. that was a whole thing about when Psycho came out. Hitchcock was all about, oh, people are never going to be able to take a shower again. Right. I'll have to say, whenever I've stayed in a hotel by myself, I always think about it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely something. It's creepy. Of course, being that this movie was made in 1984, Freddy's now iconic look was achieved with makeup and everything, which 
apparently Robert Englund had to sit in the makeup chair for about three hours each time they were filming. And I read that Wes actually wanted it to be more gruesome, like he wanted Freddy to look more terrifying, but he got reined in because otherwise Robert Englund would not have been able to, you know, perform or act. I kind of want to know what Wes had in mind to like for- further the gore, because to me, Freddy was like a crispy pizza crust, like he was burnt to a crisp and it showed in the makeup. Yeah, I agree. I think it would have been interesting to see what else he possibly wanted to do. But apparently Robert was chosen by Wes because they realized like they needed an actor in the role, which makes sense because in other like slasher flicks like Jason and Halloween, those people are typically played by like a stunt person because they're not really doing much acting, you know, and I guess I Mm -hmm. never really thought about that. Uh they're more there to do stunt work and things. So Freddie was a bit different in that sense from the other two. But I did like reading that when Freddie was preparing for the role, he used Klaus Kinski's performance in the 1979 Nosferatu, the vampire. And he even came up with like his own backstory of Freddie, which I felt was really kind of sad he like mentioned that he thought of a child from his childhood that was a kid in his class and on valentine's day the kid got no cards and robert anglin concluded that that kid would be someone to become freddie that is actually really sad but i feel like that's really interesting that he made a backstory because i guess he needed to have a why or like what would cause him to kind of break And I also feel like the character of Freddy has too much of a personality to just be played by a stuntman. Or maybe they like brought that into the to the film to make him have more of a personality because he actually is like stalking you for like for him to like have like his maniacal scary laugh and like saying kind of things to you. It may it's I like the way that they've made Freddy. Yeah, I agree. I definitely don't think you you needed an actor to pull off some of the things Freddie was doing. And especially when you think about some of the later films, because he just honestly gets more over the top as it goes. Mm -hmm. You couldn't just have anybody do that. Yeah, like how you said before, basically, the Jasons and the Michael Myers characters are really just played by stuntmen because they don't have they don't have words. They don't have lines. They need to be able to pick up heavy things or, you know, like they just have to look like they're very like a hulking baddie, if you will. Exactly. Inevitably, Nancy does end up learning that there is a reason, though, that her and her friends are having visits from Freddie. He apparently was a terrifying child murderer And the neighborhood parents had taken the law into their own hands and burned Freddy Krueger alive when he was released from prison due to a technicality. And there's a whole moment during the flick when Nancy's mom is concerned about her having these nightmares dream episodes and takes her to the hospital in which Nancy ends up pulling Freddy's fedora hat out. And I mainly bring up this scene because we have to talk about the cat poster that was in the doctor's office, which I will say I did not notice until this watch with you. And 
The doctor is also played by Roger Rabbit. Drink the drink. But I don't want the drink. He doesn't want the drink. He does. I don't. You do. I don't. You do. I don't. You do. I don't. You don't. I do. You don't. I do. You don't. Listen, when I say I do, that means I do. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Yes. I think Ben did say that, but mm-hmm. I was completely enamored by the cat poster. And this entire scene was a wash for me because at this point I was Google imaging how, like, where to find this cat poster. I think you actually ended up finding it. The artist is a photographer. He's a Japanese artist, I believe. And if you just Google him, you are going to find the best cat artwork and cards you'll ever see. Yeah, it's really fascinating. I... I'd like to know more about how this guy posed these cats because the poster in the film is, I guess it's supposed to be like San Francisco because you have two cats like riding a trolley. Yeah. And when I started Googling around, I guess there was like a bunch of trading cards that were made in the 80s with his artwork or photos on them. And there's one where there's like cats smoking in a bathroom that mm-hmm. I love. Yes. I don't know. Like there are wild pictures. We'll have to, sh- we'll share some of these as well on Twitter and Instagram because they're just too good to keep to ourselves. And I really do want to track down these cards. I think I need them in my life. I do too. Cause they're really great. And I there's just, just so know much how- to look at. There is, and I want to know how he got cats in some of those outfits. Right. Agreed. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously, Nancy realizes pretty quick that she can't stay awake forever, even with the assistance of stay-awake pills or trying to stay up watching Evil Dead. So she calls her boyfriend, Glenn, played by Johnny Depp, and he's honestly rather useless in this film. Yeah, this was his first movie, and I read the only reason he was cast was because Wes Craven's daughter thought he was dreamy. (laughs) Imagine that's how you got that role. Good for you, to be honest. He was a useless character. Yeah, I like when he dies. (laughs) Of course, you would. He fell asleep. Like she, so there was this one scene where he fell asleep during her one. I'm gonna fall asleep you have to wake me up and help me bring Freddie out kind of experiment. And he fell asleep. So he failed and she could have been dead like the rest of their friends. So when he died, I was like, well, is it so bad? I don't know. And yes, in this scene where Depp dies, there is a quote from one of the officers or the paramedics that says, you won't need a stretcher. You'll need a mop. Because his death was bloody, very much bloody. And this is another moment of gratuitous gore. Yes. And then also, I this is when Nancy calls. She's basically locked in her house now. The windows are barred. Her mom, she's drinking in the hallway out of the closet vodka <laughs> that she found. Straight vodka. <laughs> yeah, just straight. And the bottle was frosty again. Like, it's always like it was just frozen, but... She pulled this out of the closet. So then Freddie calls Nancy after he murdered her boyfriend. And this is an iconic moment. 
gross. I want to know where this prop is now. Like, where is this tongue phone? Well, I'm so glad you asked because I forgot to put this in my notes and I read it the other day. Nancy took it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I guess like it was realized later on that she, because she didn't ask them. She just took it. Like she wanted a keepsake from the set. So that's, and that's something I would have taken that prop too, because out of everything, it's the, it's the weirdest. It's very bizarre. So Glenn's death though, does really, you know, I would say more or less like inspire Nancy. Like she realizes, okay, I'm going to just have to kill this guy by myself, you know, because nobody's going to help me. So then she goes like full blown, like Kevin McAllister from Home Alone, and she just starts booby trapping the entire house to take on Freddy. She does go full on Home Alone. Um, this would have taken much longer to create than 20 minutes. There was a lot of intricate details, and she would have had to collect all the items. So this is when things do get wild because lo and behold, Freddie inhabits her dream and she does indeed pull him out, but it gets even more insane because in the basement, she somehow lights him on fire. But then as the cops finally bust in the door, trying to console a crazy Nancy, he stealthily makes his way upstairs to where mother is and he climbs on top of her and she becomes deep fried vodka and then like poof, gets sucked into the bed. You know, it kind of makes sense why there's so much fire there because she is literally (laughs) soaked in alcohol. Because, and there's a bottle of alcohol hidden, or there's a bottle of like every section of the house. It's just what I envision. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Every nook and cranny has a bottle. Mm hmm. So I do love how the movie ends. So, like, Nancy wakes up. You know, and this is after, like, all the booby traps and everything. Nancy wakes up. She finds her mother is still alive, miraculously, and all her schoolmates. And she's climbing into Glenn's convertible, equipped with a Freddy-striped top. And then Mannequin Marge, (laughs) mom, gets sucked through the front door window. And then cue the bodacious tune, Nightmare. think it's a one-hit wonder but it's a wonder and then mannequin marge by the way made me laugh so much i loved it this is definitely this song is going to go on the slumber party playlist that i am creating yeah it it's a great way to end the film and i think that this is a great sleepover party flick i agree so are you ready to tally up the stars I'm ready to tally. Time to bust out the diary. And I got my brand new clicky pen. Thanks to you. 
<laughs> you keep clicking it. I'm going to click it once more. <laughs> Dear Diary, A Nightmare on Elm Street has earned a total of six stars for Dreamboat, Slumber Party, two stars for Gratuitous Score, Babeler, and Bodacious Soundtrack. Or actually, I should say murderous music we may not want freddy visiting us in our dreams but we sure don't mind him showing up at the slumber party for a little bit like i said last week i feel like all of the horror is should be at slumber parties and i feel like all the horror movies that we watch are going to end up on the shelf i'm gonna say that yeah most definitely probably all of them will end up on the shelf <laughs> it is something about slumber parties and horror they just go together correct I really hope to not have any of the nightmares that these kids had. And I know we didn't really talk about a lot of the nightmares that were shown in the film. Like, I think you should probably go watch it yourself. But the one I do want to mention that I really hate is the marshmallow stairs. The goopiness and the stickiness of that was traumatizing. I feel like I would have just wanted to sink into that and just die because like running through that like kind of like it's so cringy yeah so slumberkins definitely share if you end up revisiting some of the freddies which nightmares scare you because that one in particular does scare me because i often have these dreams where i can't walk (gasps) and they're very disturbing i tried to find out exactly what that mixture was that they used on the steps because it was so gross looking and apparently there's so many rumors of what it was some say it was pancake mix others say it was mushroom soup and then apparently Wes said that it was just oatmeal and glue either way it's just no and it's gross I feel like the oatmeal and glue combo makes the most sense like texture wise and visually but Mm -hmm. it's all just so so disgusting and I do want to know you know, if people have a nightmare from the film that they're afraid of, like which one it is. Because I can't remember what number it is in the series, but there's one where Freddy turns somebody into a pizza. I can't wait to revisit. Yeah, it's wild. The deaths become, you know, obviously part of a main selling point of the franchise. Yeah, they become zanier and zanier. Until our next hunky horror slumber party, Katiekins, share with people where they can find us. So if we're not on LinkedIn, just kidding, we're definitely not on LinkedIn. Um, we're on Twitter at Dear BFF Pod, and we're on Instagram at bestfriendsforever.pod. So please follow us on both because we love to interact with our followers. Yes. And you can also email us at dearbffpod at gmail.com and send us some postal mail to P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA, 19145, attention, Movie John. And if you drop us a line, we will write back and even send you some goodies, compliments of our fan club president, Mr. Clank. And for our next episode, we will have twice the fun while we continue the thrills and chills with a double feature of the 1982 Slumber Party Massacre and 1987 Slumber Party Massacre 2, both directed by some badass ladies. I love me some lady horror directors and also just you wait. If you want to watch them yourself before the next episode, they are presently streaming on Shudder, so you can check them out there. And 
Remember, Slumberkins, we do have a lot of fantastic things in store for spooky season. And make sure you share with us your Halloween heartthrobs. We want to know who you deem as a hunky horror. Or just share with us one of your favorite horror movies so Rosalie and I can watch them. Yeah, we'll fit it in between all the Hellraisers we have to watch. <laughs> We're so far behind. No. There's D. It's Frank. It's Uncle Frank. No. You remember. No. Come to Daddy. Get the fuck off of me! Well, Hellraiser 2 was a lot. <laughs> it made me maybe not want to watch any more of them, but I will continue. Yes, we must. That one was like a crazy art. Art project. Yeah. It was like a spaghetti necklace with weirdness. Mm-hmm. Well, that concludes today's program, but shout out to Movie John's Ashley Jane Davis for our radical spooky theme and tunes, and the Hollywood hunk Hugo Marmuji for our nifty logo. And Best Friends Forever is part of the Movie John Podcast Network, and we thank you for listening. Please enjoy a short advert from our unofficial, official sponsor, the fright man himself, Freddy Krueger. Goodbye. Goodbye. TTYL. <laughs> Trick or treat, you foolish humans. Your worst nightmare has something special for you today. Dial this number now. If you're one of my lucky callers selected at random, you can talk to me live while you're awake. It's a dream come true. You and me. So dial this number now if you dare. Talk to me live. Freddy Krueger is just a phone call away. $2 the first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. Children, get your parents' permission before you dial. Foolish friends, Freddy Krueger is on your phone. Dial this number now. I've got some tales to tell. Freddy's favorite bedtime stories. <laughs> Deadtime stories. All brand new, straight from my boiler room to your home. It's Freddy Krueger on your phone. So dial this number now if you dare. Tell them Freddy sent you. $2 the first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. Children, get your parents' permission before you dial.